1: Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome once again Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and as always, I'm with my buddy, my buddy that's all in for Jameson Williams, that's Matthew Betts. Woo.
1: My gosh, am I ever, dude. Um, we're going to talk about him a lot on the show today, so I don't want to spoil any uh, of our, I don't I don't want to call it news, it feels like exciting news. I'm, I'm just very excited about the process of what's happening. Um, we'll talk about him in more detail, but yeah, man. Uh, the NFL draft, officially as of recording this on Thursday, so officially two weeks away. I'm hyped. I was in a great mood when I woke up this morning, and I realized two weeks until we figure out where these rookies are going. Um, is there a rookie that you're most excited to figure out where they're, where they're playing for fantasy?
0: I'm not going to lie. It's Jameson Williams. and Oh, of course. It's not just because of what we've talked about on this podcast, what we've kind of put out there in articles of hey, we're all about this guy. we were Happen to be a little bit ahead of the curve on a couple of things. Uh, I'm an Alabama guy. I've always loved Alabama wide receivers. So there's a part of me that thinks the Falcons could get him at eight. And that would be quite cool. I know you are leveraging your child's future. Like both your children, their college funds, who they are is all tied up in this person.
1: Yeah, I mean, if this hits for Williams, let's just say, uh the twins might not have to work ever again. So it, it could <laughs> not even born yet, they might not have to work. <laughs> it could work out really well. But we'll talk about that here in a few minutes.
0: So is this one of those things where if it does hit, then he gets like an old portrait in your house like for generations to come? And absolutely. And if it doesn't absolutely. hit if it doesn't hit, then we don't know who we were talking about. This is doesn't matter.
1: Exactly. Yep. Forget about it. Forget it even happened. Let's just put it that way.
0: Today on the show, we're going to go through our personal NFL mock draft. We're also going to look at it more from a betting perspective. And when we get to that portion of the show, I need to kind of give a couple of caveats because NFL mock drafting is its own animal in itself. All right. It's not just who would I pick here, it's also not what do I think the media is going to do, is going to say, or what this GM is going to do. There's so much more at play. It is a wild, wild puzzle to figure out. And so, Betts and I did this separately. And we kind of got to reveal to each other right before recording, hey, here's where I slotted these players in the top 12. And some of those are dead on. Like, I think there's some groupthink maybe between us because we talk every day about this stuff. But should be super fun to go through that mock draft. And then we'll kind of see once uh, the draft shows up in two weeks where we were right, where we were way wrong. And the thing is, the best out there, the best mock drafters, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, People like Mel Kuyper, they've been doing it for years. Like, There's just so much variance and there's so many things that can happen on a draft night. So looking forward to that. It's coming up in two weeks. But I wanted to get in a quick question to tease this for the people. I've, I've gotten some of these questions, some of these DMs about best ball. And they've been asking, when can I get best ball content? I'm starting to draft on underdog. Well, we're about to put that out. And June 1st is when our best ball primer. But you and I are going to start loading up the gun and just start firing away at some of our best ball uh, takes, our early reactions, because ADP really has to sort out. You know, there's there's a lot of draft things that have been happening, like free agency helped set that. And now with the NFL draft, you're going to see that even more. We don't even have teams for these rookies. I drafted earlier today Garrett Wilson on a team, and I'm like, sweet. No idea what team he's on. No idea what the situation is. That's totally fine. But for you, your first take at looking at best ball, you got to participate in a couple. What was your biggest surprise in terms of the way that it's looking in terms of ADP? For me, it's running backs, and I, I think you had a similar take.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the biggest thing that you're looking at when you're looking at early ADP is that a lot of this stuff hasn't really adjusted yet for some of the offseason news, um, and it depends on where you're entering. So if you are playing on underdog... If you're looking at, you know, so they have a tournament right now. It's super flex format. That ADP is relatively sharp because people that play in these tournaments, that draft, you know, they care about football a lot. And they're, if they're doing it in April and March, you know, they're sickos like us. So they're tuned into the news. If you just go into the regular app and the ADP there, it is all over the map. I mean, I, I saw today I was logging in just to kind of look, look at this question and I did a draft myself to see, is this ADP real or is it just not adjusting it and people are, are smarter and so I, I went down, I looked, I wrote in the doc, Leonard Fournette, RB25 off the board. Make it make sense. This is a top five offense in the Bucks. He's locked into the receiving role. He's going after the names like Devin Singletary, Michael Carter, and Travis Etienne. I mean, the guys just had their top 12 and, and really top 20, though. Uh, two shows this week for running backs. Lenny was right there at RB12. So I was like, how is this even possible? So I logged into the, you know, I'm always logged in. So I log in and I, I do a draft to see, is this real? He actually went RB13 in, in the real draft. So I think some of the ADP, while it does show up there, it might be kind of fool's gold. Like if you're if you're drafting with maybe some casuals, you could get that value. But yeah, I think the running back market is all over the place. And really, it depends on who you're drafting against as far as if they're plugged into the news.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a good time to kind of test the waters. That's mostly what I've been doing, not saying I'm putting in my big, uh, kind of big tournament entries. So... A running back that stood out to me, and I checked this in a couple different places to make sure I wasn't crazy, is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the RB13. He showed up that way in our rankings for the main show this past week. But what was more curious to me is he's at the 408. Now, if I could get Aaron Jones as an RB2 on a redraft team, I would be bananas. But what I love about Aaron Jones is in the past, you've seen spike games, and the way that he was used in the playoffs was as a receiver. We know this team has a ton of vacated targets. I've done some studies over the year that show vacated targets on teams that have a massive hole, like Devontae Adams-sized hole. They go to the running backs. The running backs see an uptick. So my question is, do you think that Aaron Jones, could he see 90 targets this year? I know that's kind of like on the range of outcomes. Maybe not as likely, but let's say 75 targets, 80 targets, 90 targets. If you knew that you were getting that in the fourth round in best ball, would you pounce?
1: 100%. Yeah, I mean, you look at the splits. With Aaron Jones, when Devonta Adams has been out throughout the course of their career together with the Packers, they are massive. He has a huge uh, uptick in passing volume as far as receptions, yards, and targets. So, yeah, I think it's it makes a lot of sense. And like you said, the off season studies that you've done in the past, looking at vacated targets, this certainly fits the bill. But then you also just kind of take away like the analytics side of things. You know, Kyle, for a second, leave the Excel spreadsheets and just talk about this team, like. Aaron Rodgers is known for being a guy who you have to earn his trust to get the ball. They just signed Sammy Watkins. Yes, they did. A rookie is going to go there, likely. Um, who else is getting the football that Aaron Rodgers trusts besides maybe Lazard? I, I mean, he he trusts Aaron Jones, and obviously he's really good in the past game. He's so efficient. So yes, in the fourth round, if that actually does hold, that is going to be almost an auto pick for me early in the best ball season.
0: We also have to look at the Packers' not through the same lens that we've seen in the last couple of years. Yes. Matt LaFleur's still there, still Aaron Rodgers. Nathaniel Hackett's gone. Devontae Adams is gone. They're going to work with what they have and what, what they have is a different offense, right? Like I think you're going to see more two back sets where you have to figure out, is it Dylan or is it Aaron Jones? I think that you're going to see more looks where they're going to tight ends. So keep that in mind. I think he, his snaps which usually Aaron Jones has always been an efficiency guy. Uh, he has the six highest yards per touch over all running or among all running backs the last three years. So we like Aaron Jones, not because he's ever been a volume guy, right? He's just been an efficiency guy. So if he sees 75 plus targets, then I think he should be a little bit higher than RB 13 on offense that we like a team that's favored to win the NFC North as well. So, you and I will get to give more of those takes. We'll get to share more of our best ball content. We're going to have entire shows in June and July where we actually get to walk through strategy, stacking strategies, our favorite players, our best ball league winners, all of those things. Super fun. Some best ball. You don't want to miss it. And I did want to bring one thing to attention before we jump into our main segment. Betts has been hammering out these daily articles, these daily fantasy reaction articles And I just want to give you a second to say, like, what's that what that's been like for you and why you think that's such a benefit for the people to kind of really get a deep dive. It's not you're not just reporting news. You're actually giving deeper fantasy spins on things.
1: Yeah, this is new this year, and I'm actually really excited about it. So, yeah, the idea is um, every day there is going to be a short one to three paragraph, usually at least one. So two to three paragraph article on the site about some news that goes down. Either the day before, or the day of, something like that. Sometimes there's not a lot of news <laughs> that's happening right now. For example, Sammy Watkins, that's probably on the site today. Uh, but there is some news that kind of comes out. We had the Derek Carr extension, the Noah Fant getting his fifth year option picked up by Seattle, those sort of things. So rather than like throughout the offseason having all this news that piles up that you have to then go back on when you look towards, you know, your best ball leagues, your redraft leagues, whatever, um, to kind of catch up, like I'm doing it in the moment. So I feel like it really has helped me. Get a sense of kind of where the landscape is in the NFL from a fantasy perspective. And these little mini articles, I'm kind of going in pretty decent detail about like what we can expect and and why and using data to suggest. So I've loved doing it. Um, I've actually used it as an opportunity when I have new information to make a couple dynasty trades before I get this article out there to the people. So I'm loving it. Uh, I think it can be a value for all of you. And then, of course, as the summer comes, you know, we get injuries in training camp, we get potentially more trades. After the NFL draft, we'll have reactions to all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, make sure you're plugged in. If you're on the website, it is right underneath the main podcast feed. If you just scroll down halfway through the page, you'll be able to find it there every day.
0: Yeah, and I've I've learned a lot. I'm editing all of these articles, but even just Noah Fant, which at first glance, it's like, ah, oh, it's Noah Fant. He signed his fifth-year option. It's not a big deal. The way that Seattle runs their offense is a ton of two tight end sets. He's always been a guy that's been able to get yards after the catch and hopefully big plays, so... I've kind of, like, at first, like, I why do we care about Noah Fant? But I'm kind of seeing that there's some intriguing dynasty appeal. And even as my tight end two in best ball, like, I, I know I'm going to be able to get him in a good spot. So, yeah, check that out on the website if you have a second. You can follow us on Twitter. bets is at the Fantasy PT. I am at Kyle underscore Borg. And you know what? We might even be your friend for life. This is a good time of the year to uh, get to connect with some people. Right now, we just put out a call. I mean... We put out a call on the main show. I'll at least say it here. It's part of my job uh, for new writers at footclanhelp.com. So I always tell people the worst thing you could do is not message me. Like, just just DM me and say, hey, I applied. And uh, at least I get to know your name. So, yeah, love to connect with some of you guys. But let's get into mock drafting. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. Let's talk about how hard it is. To mock draft for the NFL. Like for fantasy, the best part about mock drafting is you get to do it and you get to keep doing it and you kind of just get to do what you like. Like, I like this player. I think this works for my team. We are talking about what someone else would do with a ton of money on the line that isn't our money. While you and I might have some money tied up in some of these players and hoping that, you know, there's some return, it's very different when we're dealing with somebody who is in a completely different state of mind in terms of what they're drafting their motivations, what type of coaches they have their history of drafting, whose jobs are on the line. I mean, there's so many things at stake with mock drafting. I I was thinking about this earlier. It's a clash of what I want to happen, what I think should happen, what we would do, what we think this expert. I mean, there's just so many things that when I was putting together my board I had all of those things kind of combined. Did you feel similar?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, and we were messaging this morning before we knew like who we were going to put in this top 10 or top 12, and I was like, man, this is wild. I had like three or four different versions that I felt okay with, so I can see these picks going a number of different ways. And I feel like this year, especially compared to other years, no one knows what's going to happen and that's the reality like it is just all over the board even the number 1 pick people don't really know who it's going to be we think it's going to be Hutchinson but there's a chance that you know it could be someone else and there's a lot of steam on other players there so yeah man it's tough i mean you look at the best mock drafters in the industry they get like half the picks wrong like that's that's the best that we have to go by because there's not only the team needs the team fits it's does this player meet this team's character or You know, is there a connection to that college coach that this NFL coach is? There's just so many things that have to go right for these things to, you know, play out in the future. So yeah, we are trying to predict the future. It's very, very hard to do. Uh, We'll see if we can do it here in the top 12.
0: Yeah, over 50% is insane. If if you're honest, like in just in terms of a small set, like top 15, top 12, whatever it is, you can check back in with us after the draft and you can dunk on us, whatever you want to do. I don't really care. It is, is going to fun... be so
1: bad. I guarantee there's going to be so wrong.
0: <laughs> if we did this show a week from now, I feel like we would argue with ourselves. Probably. Yeah. So we'll check back in, and the footballers get to do their own show where they pick by player. So they would say, hey, this is where I think Drake London's going to go. Uh, and there's a whole contest within that, too. I love tracking that as the draft goes on. But we're going to do something that we do during the regular season for DFS we're going to actually battle it out dfs
1: battle royale
0: so this is about you and i establishing supremacy here am i right oh of course what's crazy is that betts and i have a lot more picks than i thought actually kind of they're similar i mean i I, and we arrived at it separately so i I like that we're going to approach this from we're going to look at the pick we're going to talk about who the betting favorite is and, you know, if we want to quickly say, hey, I really like this pick or I used to have it at this. That's fine. What are the values? And then you and I will reveal who we actually have. And we'll just kind of quickly go. We're just going to go through the top 12. I don't know if you knew this, bets, but I actually did start going all the way to 24 earlier. And then I realized that's just, you know, let's just go to 12. That's enough for the people. Perfect. <laughs> but we'll, we'll Perfect. post this and uh, you guys can see the article that will be up on the website soon. But number one, Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Aiden Hutchinson is the betting favorite at minus 280. I really only considered two people for the spot. It was either him or Trayvon Walker. I know that Kayvon Thibodeau has actually gotten some steam as well. I really wish it was one of the offensive tackles that you and I took a while back, but it just doesn't look so great. Now there's still a chance. If we're giving percentage chance on this, I think there's still a 5% chance offensive tackle is there, but it seems like they're going to go with edge Rusher, That's what we're seeing a lot of mock drafts. So we both took Hutchinson, but from a betting perspective, is there any way to really go with this at this point in the process?
1: I mean, it's so tough because right now, like, it seems like this is going to be the pick. And it felt like like that for, what would you say, maybe three weeks straight? It felt like it was just going to be Hutchinson and you just move on to pick two. And then yesterday, there was a lot of buzz and rumors about Trayvon Walker going pick one. So I don't think it's crazy if you did want to just sprinkle a little on Walker to go first. That's really, to me, the only bet right now. I don't feel even confident enough in this minus 280 line, even though I did mock Hutchinson here. uh, I personally don't feel like that line is appropriate for how confident we feel or the general public feels in Hutchinson going first overall I mean it could be Hutchinson like you said it could be a tackle even though it's very very unlikely at this point could be Walker I could even see Kayvon Thibodeau as a really uh, long shot dark horse to go here so we both had Hutchinson but for me uh, no bet on that right now
0: at this point I don't think that I can bet Hutchinson at all I, I have him at different odds um, I had him when he was plus odds so I'm just going to rest in that but beyond that I think that you could if you th- if you think there's somebody else if, if Walker or Thibodeau has a better than I would say 25% chance in your mind to be that number one pick. Then I think you can put in Aiden Hutchinson over one and a half and get some plus money for it. I think that's totally fine. At one point I did put in a bet for that over one and a half at plus 225 because I thought there was enough value. I'm not having to guess where he's going to. I don't think he's going to go beyond two, but I just think this is me saying if he doesn't go one, I'll cover my butt. It's totally fine uh rather than go somewhere else. Trayvon Walker's plus three hundred right now. Any interest in that?
1: I think that's decent value. I mean, I don't feel super confident in it, but I think the odds are decent. I actually forgot why you were talking, I did I did take some Hutchinson plus three hundred about a month ago. So okay, we're this is looking up. I'm excited now.
0: <laughs> yeah, now you're now you're better. And and obviously you can pair those two together. If you think it's Walker, and Walker's really the only one, Thibodeau's gotten a little bit of steam, but I, I think it's only Walker or Hutchinson in play. Then place those two together. I have Trayvon Walker at plus 300. Aide Hutchinson over one and a half. Those hit. Awesome. If it goes the other way, then it's totally fine as well. But you can pair those two together. Let's go to the Lions. The Fighting Dan Campbells. Our guy. You and I love Guns Mahoney. As a person, I've already declared that I'm going to be him for Halloween. I already have in half my outfit. Came in the mail. In, uh, Can't confirm.
1: In I got the uh, I got the text from Kyle. I can confirm he did get this.
0: In, in April. Just confirming. So... You and I have different picks here for the Lions. I have Trayvon Walker. You have Kayvon Thibodeau. Talk me into it.
1: Yeah, so if you're plugged in on the website, uh, Kyle and I have been tracking our wagers that we're making. We both just took Thibodeau under five and a half for uh, a prop. And the reason I slotted him here at two to the Lions is because we've, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, is that... In December, he was the consensus best player in the draft. No one would even have argued with you. And then all of a sudden, you know, the combine comes and there's some offseason stuff about work ethic and, you know, commitment to football and, and whatever. And that happens to one or two players every single year. And a lot of it is noise. I think it's noise. Kayvon Thibodeau is still an edge rusher. The NFL values edge rushers. The Lions certainly could use an edge rusher. And what I really go back to with this pick to put him here instead of with another team, is that in December, Josina Anderson um, had tweeted out that it, there's no mocks needed. It is going to be Kayvon Thibodeau if the Lions have the first overall pick to go to Detroit. Maybe they fell in love with Trevon Walker. Maybe they fell in love with Aiden Hutchinson if he falls. But I just think, you know, at this point, I'm fading the narrative of him slipping in the draft because of concerns. He's just an in t- he's a talented player. Uh, and the NFL, that matters a lot. And they will they will pay you and they will draft you if you are a good edge ed- rusher, which is what he is.
0: Yeah, the the movement for Thibodeau, if you haven't fallen, is number one player in the draft in December to, okay, he's probably the two. Okay, maybe he's, maybe he's more like the three. To what were we at like a month and a half ago? People were asking, is this guy still a top ten player in the draft? And I think it's kind of corrected itself where his line's at five and a half, like you mentioned. We've taken the under. There's only a couple spots here, and we've mentioned how the top five teams all have needs at pass rush. So you could go a couple of different places here. I went Trayvon Walker. Uh, Thibodeau is at plus 300, and Hutchinson and Walker are both tied at plus 250. So it just matters how you want to shake this out, what's going to go. I personally don't think – I'm going to insert this here. I don't think the Lions should take Walker. I don't think they should take him there, and that's because of lack of high-end production at Georgia. It was a stacked defense, yes, but there were times, if you watch those games, where – He's not even the third best defensive lineman on some place, like in, in some series. Like, he's just not. He can vanish. He killed at the combine. He's risen up draft boards. His line right now, Trayvon Walker, is three and a half, and under three and a half is minus 270. So the market's saying he's going to be a top three pick. I think he could totally slide to the four. But yeah, I have Trayvon Walker here. I think either of those guys makes a ton of sense. And I haven't really looked at this from a betting perspective other than hey, if Hutchinson's not one, then I would take <laughs> Hutchinson money on two, uh, at plus two fifty. Any anything else gonna, on the Lions?
1: Yeah, I was just gonna ask, if let's say Hutchinson doesn't go first, which again we both mocked him there, but if he doesn't, do you think it's a slam dunk, no questions asked, he goes second to the Lions? Yes. No, he's yeah, it's me too.
0: Michigan, Dan Campbell. Like that's just too there's too much there. Um uh, I know that's mostly narrative speaking, but yeah, I haven't seen anybody have Aiden Hutchinson slip outside the top two that I really respect. So we're going to pause real quick for a break. Number three, the Houston Texans. They also have a pick at 13 to keep in mind. And I mocked someone there. So I'll mention that in just a second, but Houston Texans, the favorite right now is the the offensive tackle from NC State at plus 185. But you and I have the same person, and it is not Iquanu. How did you land here? And I want to see if I lined up.
1: Well, I went back and forth this morning multiple times on these two guys. So Evan Neal and Iquanu. I ended up putting Neal here, and the rationale is that my understanding, and I'm not a pro scout, so like don't, don't listen to what I have I, to say. I clearly my, am. Yeah, exactly. My understanding is that he has a little bit more versatility to where he can play on the line as far as some tackle, some guard, so wherever they would see a fit for him. They're talking about building around Davis Mills, which I think is a decent idea. I mean, you have a third-round uh, rookie contract with Davis Mills. He played well, all things considered, last year for the circumstances. So I think it's one of these two tackles. Um, but like I said, I think Neil just has a little bit of a more of a versatile – aspect to his game which is why i put him here um could see certainly kwanwu but uh to me it's really close and i just kind of went with with neil for the versatility
0: yep neil's versatility there's also if you want to go a little bit deeper dive in terms of relationships nick casario who's the gm former patriots guy and the patriots and alabama are just you know as thick as thieves like they are so close together in terms of what Nick Saban, Bill Belichick have always done. So there is a, always a little lean to Alabama players. It's more just based on feel. Like, I think who's the safer prospect between Neil and Iquanu? It's Neil. Like, he just seems like the more solid all-around player. I think Iquanu has a higher ceiling and could just easily say he would be the best left tackle in the game. Where Neil, I think you could slide him in a couple different places. But they have Laramie Tunsil. They clearly do need some help on the offensive line. And with a young quarterback, this this makes sense. So if I were building the Texans, I think this is a great spot to, to get an offensive tackle. I wish this is what the Jaguars would do, but uh, they don't always make good decisions. That's fine. The Jets at four. And the Jets pick again at ten. This is a spot where I'm seeing a lot of people mock wide receivers to the Jets at four. Neither of us have that here. We kind of have our flip-flop. I have Thibodeau here. You have Trayvon Walker. Thibodeau is actually the current favorite at plus 275. So it's not, nobody's betting this and saying that's going to happen. You and I both want Sauce Gardner to go there. I think that would be a great fit. Uh, He's plus 330 to go there at fourth overall. And we have some bets on top five for him. But, the, is there noise about the Jets taking a wide receiver as early as four? I mean, I've I've seen Jameson Williams go there in some drafts, and as much as we like him, I think it would be crazy to pick a wide receiver coming off the ACL that early when you know you have a pick at 10.
1: Yes. So, okay, I have a little bit of bias. I just need to tell listeners that right now <laughs> because there's a little bit of a financial investment that Kyle and I made today on Jameson Williams to go in the top five. Now. It is extremely unlikely. We are not relying on this. However, it was 50 to 1 plus 5,000 odds for this to happen. I mean, I think it's a long shot, but it probably should be closer to what? Like 25 to 1, 30 to 1? Like it's not that far out of the realm of possibility because a lot of people are talking about Jamison Williams is going in the top 10 of this draft. And shout out to us. We were on that two or three weeks ago. So I think he does go in the top 10. Does he go top five? I don't think so because of how good the pass rushers are because of the tackles that are available. But I was talking to Kyle this morning, and I said, like, the Jets have been mocked to him a lot at 10, which is actually, spoiler alert, we have him there together. We have him at 10. But what if the Falcons love Jamison Williams? And let's say the Jets are I would just love terrified. It. Yeah, I mean, they take they take Alabama wide receivers, right? Julio... Calvin Ridley, Yeah. Um, let's say that they have a a beat that they're like, oh man, we don't want Atlanta to take our guy. What if they just don't mess around and they're like, you know what? At four, we're taking him. I don't think it's crazy. Again, we put a small wager on it to hopefully win a lot. Um, But at 50 to one odds, we thought that was just insane value.
0: And he's showing up there in some mocks. It's not like this is just wild. He is showing up at four in some that, and more ones that I actually trust. I don't think it's going to happen and if I were a GM, I would not do this. I do think this about the Jets. Joe Douglas, their GM. Robert Sala, their coach. They want to build through the trenches. And specifically, the way that Sala's defense was built in San Francisco was edge rushers, right? Uh, Nick Bosa. like they, The way that they built that team was saying, we want to get after the, pass, the passer, and we've designed our defense in such a way that we can shut people down. Last year the Jets were a laughingstock, especially against the run. But rushing the passer is actually something they can do. I don't know if you remember this. We were on the Jets against Ryan Tannehill and a team that was the first place team in the AFC, where you actually did bet the money line of the Jets to beat the Titans. That happened. That was one of our my favorite calls of the year because it was really wild. It was Zach Wilson, and they beat the Titans because of their pass rush and because of the way that Ryan Tannehill. Get sacked that's that's part of his job so I think Kayvon Thibodeau is my favorite call here it's not what I would technically want to do if like from a fan perspective but I think he makes a ton of sense Robert Saul is also one of those molder of men types of coach where he just like I'm here and I want you to work with us as a team and so all the off the field stuff with Thibodeau I just kind of throw aside um, that can get corrected very quickly and I think that that's a good spot for him
1: yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. If it was Walker at two, I think this is a great spot for Thibodeau. So I'm with you. But because I did put Thibodeau at two, I put Walker here. So we basically just flip-flopped those picks. Right. Um, same rationale, edge rushers. That's how they build their defense. I will say I'm a little worried about the Sauce Gardner stuff in the top four at this point. Um, Connor Hughes, who covers the team for the Athletic, he's pretty plugged in. He's got a pretty good reputation as far as accuracy in covering the team. He pretty much came out and flat out was like, they're not taking a corner here. So... I know we've been hyped about Sauce for a while. I still love our eight, under eight and a half, but I'm I'm a little worried about top five at this point, to be honest with you.
0: Okay, so I, I heard the same thing, and I, I definitely felt like a stomach punch. The one thing that I have going for this is that Daniel Jeremiah did have Sauce at four, and he is super close with Joe Douglas. So there is yeah, something there. True. So it, it could go either way. I, I don't really know. I do think four for a corner is rich. Like I think teams fall in love. That was my kind of thought process behind that. And I still think he's going to go in the top eight. We'll talk about where we have Gardner in a second. So you have the Jets, and then the Giants are at an interesting spot at five and also pick at seven because they have the Panthers in between them. And just based on how we think about drafting, how you and I talk about game theory all the time, I wonder if they're also basically saying, okay, here's what the Panthers are going to do. So does this actually change the order of our picks, right? So knowing what the Panthers need. All right. The Panthers need a quarterback. The Panthers need offensive tackle help. Do you think that is shifting you and I how we have the order? Because you and I have the same exact order. We have the Giants picking Iquanu at five, and then we have Sauce Gardner at seven. Is there any thought process of the Panthers in there with you?
1: Yeah, so my rationale here, we both put, obviously, Sauce Gardner, like you said, to the Giants. The reason I put them at seven instead of five is because let's let's say Carolina stays where they're at. Carolina just took J.C. Horn a year ago. They're not going to take Sauce Gardner this year again with with how many needs they have, which is endless <laughs> at this point. Um, they're not going to take him. So you could say, okay, the Giants know that. They could easily say, why spend the fifth pick on him and let's just spend the seventh. Because there's a chance the Carolina Panthers do not take Kenny Pickett and stay where they're at and take an offensive tackle. And so maybe they say, the Giants I'm talking about, maybe they say, we want Icky Kwanwu. We're taking him here so that Carolina doesn't get him. That's my rationale for why I put Sauce at 7 and Kwanwu at 5.
0: I'm in the same boat. The scariest thing about this, so we're mock drafting right now. The Giants seem like the most likely team to trade out one of those picks. Because maybe they've only fallen in love with one player. And they say, you know what? We're taking this player at five. Or there's a team that says, I have to move up ahead of Carolina. Or I have to move up to get this player. I think the Giants are just, they're a ripe spot for for trading. So it wouldn't shock me to see if they moved out of one of those two picks. I think Equanu makes a ton of sense. He's the betting favorite right now for the fifth pick overall on, on DK at plus 200. I don't mind... I think his over under right now is at three and a half. And I think that's really hard to gauge because to me, it seems like he's a candidate for three or five or six or even further. Like I I can't really gauge his over under, but I think the giants are a great landing spot for him or Evan Neal at the fifth spot. And who knows? Like I, I would, I think Gardner makes sense, but the game theory says that they should just wait and get him at seven.
1: Yep. I agree. So let's move on to Carolina. We both put uh, baby hands here. Kenny Pickett, because we're not projecting any trades, obviously, in this mock. So if they stay in Pat, do you think it is Pickett that they take? I Assuming think it the is. draft falls the way we, we have it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it makes sense. But I'm also approaching this from a perspective of I don't think Malik Willis is worth a top 10 pick in any draft like he's just not.
1: Yeah, that's that steam seems to be running out like no one's talking about that anymore. But especially to the Lions.
0: Now, could Willis go here? Sure. Um, yeah, let's say let's say they don't pick a quarterback. Do you think that they will stay here and pick one of the offensive tackles or move out?
1: No, I think they're a prime candidate to trade back. Uh, shout out to Underdogs, Josh Norris. He's been all over this, saying, you know, look at what they did last year under their their first year GM. He traded back four times. So this team does not pick again. I think it's the fourth round. Right. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, this team needs multiple pieces to help build around for the future. They do not need one guy, they need multiple guys. So it makes a ton of sense to try to move back in the draft, uh, accumulate maybe a couple seconds in, in our first and later part of it or whatever, but get more assets is what they need. So, yes, I could absolutely see that happening for sure. But you also have to say to yourself, too, like, and, and this is where I'm at with this, like, they cannot enter this season with Sam Darnold. It is so bad. They, Gave him the fifth year option. He was terrible. Like, we just, we know what he is at this point, and they know what he is at this point. So, I, I find it really hard to figure out what Carolina is going to do. So, in this mock, I gave him Kenny Pickett. I will say a little uh, nugget I heard. I forget which. I wish I could give credit to the show I was listening to, but um, David Tepper, the, I, I believe he's the owner of the GM. I can't remember. Owner, I guess. Owner of, of the, the Panthers. Panthers. He went to pit. So, I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe there's a connection with Kenny Pickett, but um, we know the, the connection, too, with Matt Rule in Temple. So, yeah, it's tough on Kenny Pickett. I think he's so he's so wild, man. Like, he could go here or, like, pick 20, and I would not be shocked.
0: For sure. If I were the Panthers, and I think I've said on this show that they are one of the dumbest organizations out there in terms of <laughs> squandering what they have. You're so mean. They should trade back. They should trade back in a, in Absolutely. a, in a class that has – a couple of quarterbacks that are near each other. Maybe they love Pickett and they just want to go there. If you find somebody like that, I trashed the chargers years ago because I didn't have a high evaluation on Justin Herbert at the time. And they took him at six and ends up being a baller. And you can just delete a lot of the rookie profile because the way that he's being used here is very different than how he did at Oregon. You know, maybe, maybe they figure that out. I just don't trust the Panthers and their offensive system to do anything of note, especially if Ben McAdoo is their offensive coordinator. That's how I
1: feel. Oh, I forgot he was the offensive coordinator. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Sorry, Carolina.
0: The sad part is they're not even free wins for the Falcons. So uh, (laughs) We'll be talking about the Panthers from a fantasy perspective because they've got a lot of fun weapons. They obviously have CMC. But, yes, Panthers, if they're staying here, I can't really go a bunch of other places. I may maybe entertain Charles Cross here at offensive tackle – or if Iquanu drops, then I think they can go there. But right now, Kenny Pickett, plus 150 to be drafted by the Panthers. Malik Willis, plus 250. Any interest in those?
1: We already took Pickett to go to Carolina. So at this point, I'm kind of out on that market. Um, yeah, I think we've we've kind of talked through it pretty good detail there.
0: Okay, so we already mentioned the Giants, both their picks. We have Sauce Gardner at 7. Let's go to the Falcons. The Falcons at pick 8. Wide receiver is pretty much the most popular spot. I did see in Dane Brugler's mock draft that came out today, he had Malik Willis at eight. And if they do have a good evaluation, I'm not going to argue against getting a player that maybe they had higher on their board than Kenny Pickett and they get him here at eight. You and I both have the same player. We have Garrett Wilson as the first wide receiver off the board at eight. How do you feel about this pick? His over-under is at ten and a half.
1: I feel like the the Falcons were probably the hardest team for me to peg in this draft because, spoiler alert, Kyle, they need a lot of help. And so you could convince me of seven or eight different players here and I would shake my head and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I did give him Wilson. I mean, just I, I tweeted this out. I'm sorry, Kyle. But I was looking at the depth chart the other night because I was starting to think about this and I forgot just how bad it really is. Like I knew it was bad. But then I logged in and saw it, and I actually laughed out loud. So (laughs) they need help everywhere. The wide receiver depth chart is scary. So I gave him a cornerstone here that hopefully he can turn into a superstar one day. I gave him Garrett Wilson. I love this guy. I love his tape. Uh, Loved the player that he was at Ohio State. So that's my pick. But again, I could see him going a, a number of different ways.
0: Yeah, we have Garrett Wilson as the first wide receiver off the board. He's still the favorite right now over Drake London. If you want to grab that, I think it's at plus 125. Garrett Wilson is a separator, and he's just polished out in the field. I, I on his evaluation, I said he's a smaller version of CD Lamb. In other words, he can kind of play a bunch of different plays. He's a just a big play guy, but don't just call him a deep ball dude. So I, I like him a lot. He would clearly shoot up a depth chart that currently has Olamide Zacchaeus, Frank Darby, Auden Tate, and Chad Hansen. <laughs>
1: Don't forget about Demir Bird, right? Didn't he just saw it,
0: dude? Sorry, I I buried the lead. Yeah, Demir <laughs> Bird today said that he's in the he's in the upward trajectory of his career. Eight years in,
1: no better time than now. It's, it's
0: a great time. Okay, so Garrett Wilson, we have at eight. At nine, we both have Charles Cross, the offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. I feel like the Seahawks, so they're at nine. Offensive tackle and cornerback have been the most popular in terms of what they're projected. So. Uh I've seen Sauce Gardner fall all the way to here. Uh Charles Cross is another name that's showed up a bunch. So that's who we have. We also have a over for Charles Cross. I believe it's over six and a half. And that's kind of trended in a good direction. But you've kind of gained some steam. I know you're a big Pete Carroll narrative guy. Um you you love talking about Pete Carroll chewing his gum and his shoes. Um why do you feel like there's some steam that there could be some other options than just Cross or Uh, Derek Stingley, for instance.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're also in the quarterback market, too, so that's a possibility. But um, the bet we took today, another long shot, again, not a lot on this, just might happen kind of thing, is Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, to go in the top 10 at plus uh, 1,200. The rationale here, and, and I think the only place that this bet hits is if he goes to Seattle. But think about that organization and think about the decisions that they make. Like, isn't it the most Pete Carroll and... Schneider move ever their GM to say we lost Bobby Wagner we got to replace Bobby Wagner and give them the best linebacker in the draft but the reality is the NFL knows linebackers don't actually add that much value to win totals year over year the Seahawks just seem behind the times man I mean think about what they did with Russell Wilson running the football you know et cetera, et cetera. so I don't think it's crazy I also have heard other draft analysts talk about how you know like the NFL is higher on Devin Lloyd than like draft Twitter is. So I just think it's a good value bet. But again, it seems a little thin because the only place he really would go that this bet would hit, in my opinion, is to Seattle with some of the decisions that they make.
0: Yeah. I, I think that the Seahawks are in a spot right here where they're going to take best player available. And if you get an offensive tackle that you can build around, I mean, right now it's Locke, it's Geno Smith, and I guess they're just going to roll with it and wait till next year. Uh, you did you already take the under on their win total?
1: Oh yeah. Okay, that's
0: what sort of the, the day the, it I came out. Uh, so we mentioned earlier, Jamison Williams. We both have him to the Jets at ten. It's, it was very tempting to put him at eight with the Falcons, but I feel like the Jets not only are in a spot where I think he would just work really well with their team with Elijah Moore, I think that would just be an awesome combo. But uh, Jamison top ten is now at plus three fifty, which. Uh, For those counting at home, when we got at plus 1500, that felt really good. So it's not, it's not, a am not saying it's a guarantee though. Like I can still see a world, but the way that it's being reported, um, Chris Mortensen today. I mean, it's just, this seems like Jameson Williams is a player that NFL teams love way more than maybe people realize. I think the ACL, it carried a lot of weight for fantasy world. Like, for like, okay, well, we know we're not going to get a lot of production at the first part of the year from him. NFL teams aren't looking at it from that same idea. They're looking at who is the best player. And so, I don't know, in terms of recovery and health, how long do you think it'll take him for him to get back up to speed in terms of his timetable?
1: I mean, it'll be the second half, I think, if we're talking for fantasy, to expect any production from this guy, at least on a consistent basis, potentially um in the second half of the year. But again, like you said, like the Jets know they're not winning a Super Bowl this year. So yeah, take if they have him as the highest wide receiver on their board, they want to fill that need, then yeah, take the best player that you have and you know that you're gonna get the best days from him moving forward, not just week one of this season. Um and this is just a good reminder for people like every single year, no matter what season it is, there is a speed wide receiver in the draft that gets pushed up the board. The NFL is just addicted to speed. We saw it with Henry Ruggs a couple of years ago like, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing those two players, but just the NFL values speed so, so much. Actually, someone I can't remember the, the author of this article from PFF put out a metric like looking at what NFL teams value in draft capital, and 40-yard dash was strongly correlated. So Jamison Williams can fly. Teams are apparently in, in love with this guy. And we also warn you guys often about like, you know, be careful with what you hear out there. But it, it's not just one person talking about Jameson Williams, right? Like, it's every single day it's like a drum beat over and over again so I do think there is more smoke uh here with Jamison Williams so yeah I think that top 10 bet is looking quite nice at this point
0: you were able to do his rookie profile and here's the thing about Jamison he's way more than just a speed threat like he can really do it all at different parts of the field but yeah 20 plus yard plays is basically what he can do on a dime so yeah Jameson Williams we both have top 10 to the Jets and then at 11, we both have the Commanders picking a wide receiver. I have Drake London. You have Chris Olave. I'll be honest. I had a wide receiver, and I went back and forth here. Part of me just thinks they want, to, they want somebody that's different than Terry McLaurin in terms of skill set. I know it's his last year under contract, and maybe that does change. This team could just be completely blown up, right? Like, who knows where they're at next year with Carson Wentz. Terry McLaurin could be gone. This could be a different team, but I have Drake London, Wide receiver out of USC, you have Chris Olave from Ohio State, has that Terry McLaurin connection. But uh, any quick comments on this one?
1: Yeah, kind of the same rationale. It's like they could go a number of ways. I thought about Kyle Hamilton here, the safety out of Notre Dame. Um, But apparently the NFL isn't as high on him as maybe people thought initially. So I went with Chris Olave here. Uh, Again, I want to give a shout-out to the guys at Underdog. I was listening to Josh talk about this. uh, And again, this is a little narrative-based, but I thought it was fun. Talking about pro days and Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has apparently only gone to a few pro days in his entire head coaching career, and the team has drafted the player at which he has been at their pro day almost every single time. This year, he was seen at the Ohio State pro day with Alave and Garrett Wilson. So I kind of read the tea leaves there and thought maybe it makes sense for Alave to land here at eleven. I think his over/under on his draft position was seventeen and a half. Is that right, Kyle? Do you remember? Yeah. Okay, so it's a little bit high compared to where the market is for betting, but um, still think it's an interesting fit.
0: And then for 12, we both have Derek Stingley, the cornerback out of LSU, who two years ago he might have been the number one cornerback taken, had some injuries, had some inconsistent play. His over-under line is now at 10.5. I know you really liked it when it was at 12.5. You liked the under, so I think this is a good sweet spot for him. Minnesota has to totally rebuild their secondary. We both have that there. So you and I actually have a lot more in common on our draft. So our big, you know, points of diversion are the Lions and the Jets. We kind of flip-flop their picks. Uh, You and I then have the Commanders at a different pick. But other than that, dude, you and I are pretty much lockstep, which means we're totally wrong.
1: 100%. That's my first thought this morning because, yeah, I did this uh, on my own. I was enjoying a nice cup of coffee going through this, and then I, I didn't text Kyle. I didn't send anything to Kyle. And he put his stuff in the show doc first. And as soon as I logged in to see it, I was like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? So, yes, you can take everything we just said for the last 45 minutes and and just ignore it. Because there's a good chance when you have this much groupthink that uh, things go sideways pretty quick.
0: All right. Before we finish, let's get to our bold or cold predictions.
1: Ridiculously bold predictions.
0: Since we've debuted this segment, I'm pretty sure that you and I have read each other perfectly so far.
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you're right.
0: I mean, that that says something about us, but it also means that there's parts of my life that I haven't revealed to you yet, and I'm going to do one of those right now. So that we'll see. Do. All right. So for my bold or cold take, I want to see uh, what Matthew or what you listening, wherever you're at, I uh, think. So I'm gonna first by stating hopefully what's obvious, maybe you are uncultured swine. Here's the deal I'm Italian. All right. My last name, it's Italian, Borgnoni, or if you you know, if you're pronouncing it in a more thick Italian accent, borgignoni. Okay.
1: Wow. I've never heard you say that actually before. <laughs> borgignoni.
0: I remember growing up and my grandmother would make homemade ravioli. It was one of my favorite things as a kid. It would take her all day in the kitchen. I loved Italian food. That's I had a big Italian family. My dad, one of seven. I mean, I had like 20 first cousins. Big Italian family. Italian food, I would say, is good. However, this is my take. I do not and will not ever order pasta from any restaurant. Not for health reasons. I'm not trying to carb count. I think that ordering pasta from a restaurant is a bad idea.
1: It's a lot to unfold here, lots to unpack, I should say. Um, I mean, if you have the the background of eating such good Italian food growing up, I would imagine going to some you know chain restaurant and ordering like chicken Alfredo would be just terrible, right? To someone else, it's like, oh, that's actually kind of good. Um, and man, I kind of could go for some Olive Garden right now. <laughs> but I think I believe you on this one. Like, I think that you because you've had such good Italian food, you're used to the culture, you're used to all that. Like it makes sense that you would think that other Italian food isn't as good and not worth the money to spend on when you can get something else at the restaurant. So I believe you.
0: You are such a good friend. That is exactly how I feel. Why Boom. would I go to a restaurant to have something that I've had before many times and it was 20 times better. There's also a lot more memories attached to a lot of the Italian food that I've eaten. And I just find that Italian food, not only is it just carb central... Do I want to take a nap afterward? But it's like, I could make pasta at home. I can make the pasta. Now, the sauce might be different, but at the end of the day, we're just talking about noodles and somebody slops some sauce and some meat on it. and It's not that great. So yes, I don't order pasta. I don't really order Italian food very much at all.
1: Yeah, I, I buy that take. And I'm not going to lie, for a second, I thought you were going to dunk on your grandma's oh like pasta. That's what I just go through my whole family. Oh man, I was about to say, we need to cancel the show right now. Um, that's great. Yes, that's that's a good one. I, I'm with you. I believe it, and uh, and I support that take. All right, here's mine. I feel like I'm going to go with another football one, but I feel like maybe next week i got to go. No football takes. So I've been doing a lot of those. But football is on this, this weekend. Football is on the TV this weekend, and you might be saying, Betts, the NFL doesn't kick off for months. The USFL is here, ladies and gentlemen. It is here this weekend. And I think it's actually going to be really entertaining to watch. There's new rules where there's incentivized uh, these coaches to go for it on fourth down. You can go for three after a touchdown. So like, there's different ways that it's going to get pretty creative. And I think, based off of some of the names that are on the rosters, the football might actually be kind of decent to watch. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with the USFL. Um, I know these spring leagues typically don't go very well, but this one I think is going to be different. I'm pretty excited about it. That's my take.
0: All right, people. Here's the thing. Maybe you already know this about bets, and I know this about bets is Anytime there's any live sporting, he wants to get in on it, but I can't tell if he wants to just get in this from a betting perspective because there's, you know, USFL contest. There's also probably an edge that you can have earlier. So I'm going to say that bets likes that he can bet on something, but he actually thinks the football will be really, really
1: bad. The football is going to be so bad, man. (laughs) It's going to be absolutely atrocious. Um, yes, yeah, so I was looking at the quarterbacks uh, th- this week. It is rough. The wide receiver talent is rough. Oh my gosh, man! And these teams, this weekend especially, these teams had like two weeks of preseason or two weeks of training camp to prepare. No preseason games, like this is it. So it is going to be atrocious football. But like you said, I am excited to play some DFS and uh, and to wager on it a little bit. I do think there's gonna be a huge edge. So, listeners, if you're in Discord, Maybe uh, I'm actually driving eight hours on Saturday. So while my wife's driving, maybe I'll I'll pop in there, give a few things that I like about the slate, and we'll go from there. But yeah, man, it is going to be bad. And I just got to give a quick shout out to Jeff Fisher. He is back, baby, on the sideline, ready to establish the run on first and 10.
0: So wait a second. While you're driving eight hours, you get to chill on your phone while your pregnant wife is driving the whole way. Is this the picture that you've just painted?
1: Just be like, hey, honey, I'm working. I got, I'm working over here, um no, we usually switch we so I, what we do is I'll start, then we'll switch for like an hour or two, give me just a quick break, and then I finish the drive. so I do eighty percent of the driving. she just does a little bit in between
0: i maybe this is just stupid of me, but I am so hard headed and stubborn, and it's not like a male female thing. It is literally like I just drive a hundred percent of the time if we're in the car together, I drive, and that's just how it's worked um. I don't know why. I think I would just rest. I rest better if I'm driving. I think if I was in the other seat, I couldn't fall asleep. I couldn't do anything. It's probably a control issue. Do I need to talk this out now?
1: I think so. I think that's exactly what you just said.
0: Okay. Well, well, maybe I'll talk to my wife. Maybe I'll change that. But hopefully you guys got to walk with us through the NFL draft. We're going to give some more takes next week. We're going to give some more NFL draft scenarios. Before we get to the big week, it is going to be just a grand old time. Betts, why don't you sign us off?
1: Yeah, man, this was fun. I really like doing this exercise, and like I said, hopefully a lot of this is right. It probably won't be, but as long as James Williams goes in the top five, that's all that matters. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.